Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our final session with Ann Osborne. Um, I think my, yes, my screen is sharing still. Wonderful. All right. So let me introduce our final speaker, and she's going to be speaking to us on a beginner's guide to meditation, calming the lizard brain, which I actually love that definition. I think that's so fun. Such a fun way to describe it. Uh, and honestly, I, I feel like when we can call it, you know, the monkey brain or the lizard brain, just that reactive brain that we all have that kind of goes into panic mode when different things happen. Um, so just to briefly introduce Anne, Anne, an author, grew up as a teen in the shadows of ocular melanoma when her mother died of OM. 40 years later, she also was diagnosed with ocular melanoma class two, and she has spent her career in human services trained as a psychotherapist. Her specialties include initially being a children's therapist uh, as well, or a children's therapist specializing in the needs of impacting the ability um, to learn and education. Her book, Coping with Ocular Melanoma, a Toolbox, is published, and you can find it on Amazon as well as on our website, uh, acureinsight.org, and all of those proceeds go to Acureinsight to help benefit patients and uh, educating patients. So let's go ahead and bring Anne up on the screen. So good to be with you, Anne. Morning. Oh, Frog in the throat. There you are. That's okay. It happens. Well, I am going to just let you roll because I know you have some plans for how you're going to um, present. But if you want me to come back on and participate in any way, just holler. I'll be here. Super. At the other end for fielding questions would be awesome. We do need to get Perfect. my slideshow right, well, up. Enjoy. All right. Thanks. Yes. And um, I think we have those ready to go in just a sec. There we go. Okay. Sounds good. So welcome. We have an overview. Um, what we're doing today is taming that lizard brain. And it, the lizard brain is actually a term that is used for what's called the amygdala, the back of the brain. <clears throat> and that's where the fight, flight, you know, racing thoughts, that kind of stuff activates, especially when we get a diagnosis like we did, or we have tests, or we're waiting for, you know, the next outcome of whatever the test is. So we're going to do a survey today of different approaches to develop a skill for meditation. <clears throat> we have practice videos and descriptions. So my hope is to find one that you like that will be an opportunity for you to practice. And then, you know, if you go down the road and you decide that eh, I'm done with that one, you have more to pick from. And all of these are online on YouTube or Instagram anything of that sort. But first, while we're settling in, I'm going to read a poem. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the name of the poem is called Hope. Hope has holes in its pockets. It leaves little crumb trails so that we, when anxious, can follow it. Hope's secret 
It doesn't know the destination. It only knows that all roads begin with one foot in front of the next. So that poem is by Rosemary Traumer. Next slide. So it's really interesting, you know, as most people who want to talk in public, we find something right at the last minute that changes the perspective on how I want to present this uh, plethora of skill sets. So we've talked about the lizard brain. So that's the, in the back at the base of the neck. We also have the prefrontal cortex, which is about our thoughts. And, and I've said in every single presentation over the last eight years talking about how important it is that we keep our prefrontal cortex online and override the amygdala. So when we know it's online, we can calm our thoughts. It's the rest and digest. <clears throat> so I went for a walk this morning and I looked out across, we have a huge natural pool just across the street that's lined with cement and people go swimming and it's a huge pool. It's probably a couple football fields long and wide. And I was looking at it and of course it goes over a dam where there's rushing water. And I was looking at the pool and thinking about how calm naturally that pool is, which is like our mind. The mind itself has a deep quality of resonance and peacefulness. It's the different senses, the five senses that come in that we make thoughts and meanings out of that affect the mind. So we get distracted. Oh, I really like, you know, I'm walking downtown. I really like that uh, coat that would look really good on me, but I can't afford it. And so my mood goes down. Or then I, when my mood starts going down, then I start spinning with other negative thoughts. But here today, we've got skills to approach, a, um, develop a skill so that we can be mindfully present. And so I'm going to talk about being mindfully present. Next slide. The uh, four stages of this presentation. When someone wants to learn how to calm themselves, we work with their attention and their amygdala not taking over. So let's find out what happens. We're going to watch a short video and taste how quickly the thoughts start interfering with our best efforts. Next slide. Let's go ahead and start this video. Let's begin this brief mindful moment by finding a comfortable seat, feet flat on the floor, hands uncrossed. Take three deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. Now we are going to practice a mindfulness activity called Mindful Eyes. Various objects around you, 
Notice their shape, their color, their texture. Now, notice the space between them, the light and the shadows, the brightness or darkness of the surrounding space. Maybe even notice something you have never seen before. Next slide. Next slide. There we go. So you can see the benefits. Improves the working memory. It's about being attentive and aware. Bringing back that attention and control to the body and the breath. Learning the skill to train our attention. It improves the working memory, trying to remember what I'm doing at the time, which is helpful for somebody like me, uh, gaining control over stressful thoughts and helping myself not go into uncharted waters, really regulating the emotions and lowering the anxiety and impulsivity. The higher levels of well-being and positive emotions look for pockets of hope and gratitude. Next slide. The simple focus on the breath and bringing the attention back. Notice how the mind wanders. This is the bicep curls for the mind. It requires practice, practice, practice. Next slide. We are getting the prefrontal cortex to keep the amygdala, the lizard part of our brain, the frightener, to stay in touch with the here and the now. There was a wonderful children's book that I read to children often about the more that we practice being able to bring our frontal lobes online and stay in the here and present and look for those pockets of hope and gratitude, the smaller, the less grip the amygdala has on us. And those kids loved the book. Next slide. The increased self-awareness reduces cortisol, that negative ed edgy hormone that's in the body, and it enhances the immune system and the mood. And we gain control over stressful thoughts. Next slide. So the practicing of mindfulness is staying in the here and now. So that is what mindfulness is. These are exercises to practice that may be helpful to you. What we're wanting you to do to try a technique um, is to practice brushing your teeth. I know you do it every day, at least twice. And taking in the five senses, the taste of the toothpaste, the smell of it, the sound of the bristles, the visual, taking two seconds before answering the phone and getting yourself in the present moment 
and the sense of calmness. Commuting. This was when I would use this when I commuted to work. 25 minutes one way. I would pick one way or the other way that I would practice turning off the radio and just practicing driving, focusing in on the sense of the seatbelt, the watching the speed, all five senses, one way, whether to or from, as I said, or I might practice it at lunch. Next slide. I've lost myself here. So I'm going to, we've talked about the toothpaste, we've talked about the phone, and we'll talk about a walking meditation in a few moments. Next slide. The mindful meditation. Next slide. Bears repeating, it's the five senses taking a set period of time each day to focus on being present, often with the breath. Next slide. We're avoiding expectations, taking short sessions for two to three minutes. Next slide. And then lengthening them, a quiet place, a comfortable sit. Some people suggest counting backwards that never worked for me but you know 100 on a breath taking a breath in focusing my mind on counting backwards releasing my breath 98 97 you find what works for you for me just focusing in on the breath next slide staying with the breath breathing in and out and the, the common question is, where does your breath live? It's whether it's at the nostrils, the back of the throat, the upper chest, it could be your belly, it could be your abdomen, hopefully, because then you're deep breathing. Next slide. Thoughts come and go. Be gentle and compassionate with yourself. Humor. Have a sense of humor for yourself. Everyone has the same struggle. When I worked with law enforcement and fire, as we know, they're constantly, their neurological system is constantly going up and down. And they really struggled with the sense of bringing themselves back to calm. When I was able to point out why it had benefits for them to be able to focus at a time when flames are out of control or someone is very upset in front of them and picking up the officer's energy because he hasn't calmed himself, this became an opportunity for them to learn how it, well it worked for them when they calmed themselves and focused on their breath while staying present. This is what I have to do when I'm sitting with my medical oncologist and hearing what the next tests are going to be. Next slide. Different kinds of exercises. Sorry. Uh, this next slide is an exercise on focusing on five senses. So I, I thought about, since I didn't say in the um, write-up, this is something that you can do on your own time. 
it, I'm going to explain it though, because it's worth it. And it's wonderful to do with kids. Kids love this. So if you have children in your life or you want to learn this yourself, taking something like a raisin or a stick of gum and just looking at the object, how it's looking, whether if you're taking a piece of a wrapper off of it because it's a piece of gum and hearing that sense, uh, putting it in your mouth and just letting it sit on your tongue. You can uh, probably, well, at least I am uh, salivating in my mouth already just at the idea of, wow, I'm ready for the sensations and tastes for whatever that's going to be. Encouraging people not to quickly jump in and start chewing. That's that impulsivity that we're training with the mind and awareness. Then when you are ready to chew, hearing the sound of the grinding and the flooding of the tastes, these are little experiences to be able to really focus your attention on how much we are affected by our five senses. In a moment, we're going to do a three minute muscle relaxation. It's a very good skill to practice in line at the bank or stopped at the traffic light. This person who's got a British accent does it a little differently than myself. And I'll go into how that works the way I taught it. But let's try the next slide and how this person does it. Welcome to today's Mindful Moment, a short body scan to let go of any tension and reset. To get started, take a seat, close your eyes and rest your hands on your knees. Take a moment to just be. We've got nowhere to go and nothing we have to do. Bring your attention to the top of your body, your face, and notice any tension you might be holding in your jaw. Let it go. Moving down to your shoulders, let them hang free. From your shoulders down into your arms, let go of any tightness in your hands. Take your attention now to your stomach. If you're holding any tension there, let it go. Taking the focus down into your legs and into your feet, let them hang free. Bring your attention to your breathing. Noticing where you feel it most in your body as you breathe in and out. Perhaps it's the air going in through your nose, or as your chest and stomach move with your breath.
See if you can notice the exact moment your breath changes from breathing in to breathing out. Gently bring your focus back to your body on your seat. And in your own time, open your eyes. How do you feel now? Sometimes unknowingly we hold a lot of tension in our body. And it's only by taking these mindful moments that we notice. It's our small daily actions, like completing the five to thrive tools, that add up to have a big impact, helping us calm, reset and thrive for our next step. So keep going. You're now one step closer to planting your next tree too. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Next slide. So we've gone from body scan uh, actually, that's a progressive muscle relaxation. Um, now we're going to talk about loving kindness meditation. It's a different kind. It's not necessarily dealing with the body. Um, people say these phrases in groups. Uh, some people have learned to say these phrases for, for themselves. This I put actually uh, some phrases to a little song and I've sung it for years just because it becomes my background music so that when I'm anxious or I can't sleep, I can sing these kinds of phrases and they calm me. So this is something to consider. There are groups here in the United States who do loving kindness meditation. You may have some in your community. It might be something that you can look up. You can either look up under loving kindness meditation. It's also called Metta, M-E-T-T-A. Next slide. Let's try a short dose of the loving kindness meditation and see if that works for you. I think that beautiful picture is probably on a beautiful coast. So again, having the... Um, <clears throat> the ability to have eyes that we can see other people who are helping us. So I see with loving eyes and they see loving eyes towards me. That helps get my frame of mind. Don't worry about not being able to get it. We can just leave it as a picture. So the other uh, line that I have found very helpful in using loving kindness phrases is having what's called equanimity. It's a big word in mindfulness and in meditation. And it, it, I'm still working on it, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's about that level mood. And as long as I've ever meditated and as many retreats as I've ever gone on, if my husband was sitting behind me, he would be rolling his eyes because I can fire up faster than fast. And I don't know about you, but I'm really working on my quality of life 10 days before the next scan, just so that I can have more of a sense of that level mood instead of being all tense. And even though I don't have it in my mind, I have it in my body. 
And so other therapists would say, oh, it's triggering off other memories that you've had experiences with trauma. The long and short of it is I want the quality of life of every day that I have until other things change, as our former speaker had said. So you can look this type of meditation up online and there's many that you might find helpful. Next slide. The entry point into focus. So the focus is the excellent concentration training and builds the strengths of the prefrontal cortex. We've moved on to that. There you go. Thank you. Um, focusing in on this is the one that I did in my own home. And rather than try to run the next uh, video, I'm going to just have the video show the picture and we'll turn the sound off if the picture will come up. Because I think it's an important opportunity for practicing. So again, it's to focus on an object, anything that will help you become comfortable sitting, allowing the thoughts to come in and focusing back on your breath and the, releasing the thoughts as they pass by. So let's move to the next slide. Let's start it. If it doesn't, uh, I, I don't want to have any sound. So what the point of it is, how I began, because I started before there was internet, um, is having a um, candle that's lit. So I'm going to go ahead and talk over whatever is being said because there's nothing being said. And then we'll just turn it off and move on. So the candle, oh, that's nice. The candle being lit, the point of it is, is being able to have it at, at desktop or you know right in front of you. I sat on the floor to look at the object so that it was right in front of me. And what I found very helpful was watching the flame and I would go to the wick and then I would watch how the flame moves and coming back to just stabilizing my sense of staying present with the flame. What I found very interesting to me after, I don't know, 10 days, two weeks, was that I could think about that flame throughout the day when it wasn't available to me and feel myself calm. And that's the opportunity that's available to us when we develop a skill of being able to come back to the present moment and not be deflected. And again, that's controlling the amygdala, getting the frontal lobes to stay on board so that we can be in that parasympathetic nervous system where we're resting and digesting. So let's go ahead and move on. <clears throat> I have to quickly look to see if it's the same slides I'm looking at. So these again are different approaches, the walking meditation. So the walking meditation is basically um, picking an area, it could be outdoors or indoors, where you walk about 10 to 12 steps. It doesn't matter the number of steps. And this is something that people do in meditation retreats. I thought I would just introduce it to you, whether you do it or you don't. 
at least you'll know what it's about. In meditation retreats, they alternate between sitting for 45 minutes and then walking for 45 minutes. And what people are doing in this walking meditation is taking the same 10 to 12 steps, practicing lifting each foot up very slowly and reaching it out and putting it down and then picking it up and reaching very slowly and putting it down. And the point of it is, is to be able to hyper-focus on what the sensations are in walking without thinking. Now we all walk already without thinking. A side story, a very funny experience happened with um, a meditation retreat that was held in a community not far from us that was at an old hospital that had high hedges, but of course we could see through the hedges and the kids on the other side, it was held at Halloween time. So the kids on the street who were getting out of school saw us, they didn't know who we were, but all of us were walking very slowly, turning around and coming back. And they had a hail time with zombies. So there you go, it's a great memory. Being in a support group is a life-changing habit. Uh, being with other people that are learning and developing the same skill set that you have. And the sun is coming on. The mindfulness MBSS, I'm sorry, MBSR, I'll go over that in a little bit, but it stands for mindfulness-based stress reduction. And there's three components to it. Uh, it's developing a skill for meditation, developing a skill for a body scan, um, it, and it's developing a skill for yoga. Uh, the whole program started back in the 70s. You can get a library book out called Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn, uh, Kabat with a K. And he explains, uh, he took on all these patients that had intractable pain. And so that was a program he developed and people began to feel a lot better without pain medication. Next slide. The walking meditation I've described. Next slide. So this uh, slide here, regulating attention. The gentleman's name is probably too small to read on the slide. Dan Harris developed an app called 10% Happier. And Dan Harris is a presenter on the news um, and he had a panic attack online on television. And so that was his wake up call to get it together and figure it out. So what he did was develop um, an app for learning how to meditate. And I didn't see it this January, but I know it's happened in the last three years where he'll do a 21 day challenge for 10 to 15 minutes. You listen to a speaker that's big in meditation from around the world, and then uh, you sit and the person will talk you through 10 to 15 minutes of the meditation, just like what I was doing with the candle about coming back to your breath, staying present. So that may be an app that would be available to you if you choose. Some people, um, use the first, I think there's 10 slides that are free and then you have to pay. 
I've never paid, so I don't know. Um, next slide. For those of us who are working, there are a lot of attributes to meditating. I just spoke of Dan Harris. Um, something that I didn't put on this that I recommended when I was in the office seeing people is doing what's called a mnemonic device, something like a, a, a little blue sticker, a blue dot, a red dot, a sound of a bell. The whole point of it was that you put them around your office and it, it, when your eyes came upon it, it's much like the phone call. It was like, okay, take a deep breath, calm myself, get present to myself and my body, and then go on from there. Next slide. These are ways that you can also meditate at work. Something I also didn't uh, say is uh, I put a, it's a free app you can get for your computer, um, a mindfulness bell that you can set the time as to how often it'll go off. I set mine every hour because I was seeing clients through the day. And sometimes it was a welcoming me bell or sometimes it was a departure bell. So again, that was a way to be able to relax self before going out into the world. Next slide. So now we're going to go over resources. Next slide. So I'm going to read these to you because I appreciate the fact that they're very small writing. So the mindfulness-based stress reduction course is an eight-week class. You can um, ask your doctor or your nurse practitioner, physician's assistant for a referral. If there's one in your local community where they charge, you can get your insurance company to pay for it. One of the, the people I talked to in a group that I'm in um, said that it's under the group therapy code. And some places charge for the first session. I just don't want you to get a charge that you didn't expect. So ask ahead of time if they're going to charge you for the first session. Um, the first session is basically an interview to find out if it'll work between you and them. Otherwise, this is an awesome program if you can participate. Another friend of mine is also giving it for free um, through Common Grounds, which is a place you can look up online. She's doing it online. It's already begun, but I don't know how often she does it, but other people in the United States will be doing it. It's a little different to do it online as opposed to in person, but it, she's doing it for what's called DANA, D-A-N-A. -A, that means it's free. Um, another way to be able to access. The next one is awakingup.com. There's a scholarship that's available. You write your story, you'll probably get it for free. It specializes in fidgety sitters. They do have a free trial if you want to participate in that. The next one is through UCLA. All you have to do is type in UCLA and med uh, meditation or guided meditations, and they'll give you a whole list. Um, UCSD also does them. Those are the ones that I've used because I've given out a lot of referrals for people. Um, the last one on this page is Calm. Um, again, you can get it for free or you can get the upgraded one. That's for sleep 
stress, stress and self-improvement. Next slide. The Smiling Mind. Uh, this is out of Australia. This is for children. Um, children as young as two, three, four, five can learn how to meditate. It helps to have them sitting with you as you're practicing. So it could be your children, your grandchildren. It's something that you might consider. We are teaching it in schools now. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the woman who has gotten graduate students all over the United States and there's a site. So when I do remember, I'll send it to Danae and she can put it online if she will. Um, another app is ad.org or waking up app. One that I used for free for the number that I could maximize my free use was Headspace. And I just saw on Netflix that they're doing a film about it. I don't know what that's about. Um, and finally, just as a responsible therapist, we all want to know about 988, that help is available for crisis and suicide. The biggest thing that we're realizing, not only in this organization, but across the United States, is that people are lonely and feeling isolated and that they are overwhelmed whether it's about financial issues or lack of friends. So reach out to those folks. Next slide. How will you incorporate mindfulness today? Is it going to be brushing your teeth, hooking it to something that you do every day? Can you practice it just being present in that way for yourself until you're ready to sit with a loving kindness meditation or a candle meditation, driving one way, washing the dishes. Believe me, I, I get a lot of practice and I use that regularly. So the picture, the lily pad and the flowers is a representation that they come from the mud, they grow in the mud and they become absolutely beautiful to look at. And this is what my goal here today is hoping that we can help with being able to cleanse and clear our minds so that we are user-friendly to ourselves, that we are on a difficult path. And I know for myself, it's calling every resource I have and I'm developing more of them for myself so that I can face the days ahead. Next slide. So I'm going to read these again because they're small. If you want to conquer the anxiety of life, live in the moment, live in the breath. And the last one, look past your thoughts so you may drink the pure nectar of this moment. So let's see if we have any time for questions and answers. If there are any, I hope so. And thank you so much for this. I felt like this was very enlightening and I loved seeing how you broke it down. It made it very easy and very simple to just see the different avenues that meditation can take and that it doesn't have to just be, you know, what we picture, I think, as meditation, that walking meditation and mindfulness in general, they are far more um, applicable to just everyday life than we sometimes, I think, 
allow them to be. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share is actually something that I just learned in therapy last week that I wanted to share. And I think you'll appreciate this because it's, it does kind of the same thing as, uh, as we were talking about, it helps you switch from that lizard brain and to turn the, you know, the amygdala response off. So it's not as heightened. And, uh, one of the things that she had me do because I was in a really kind of a, I guess, an anxious space after coming down from all of the couple of months of craziness that I was dealing with, with liver mats and then my eye having to come out and like all of the things. Um, and she just told me that, you know, she wanted to help me get grounded just for a few minutes. And she's like, I want you to try and use this. Um, just, you can use it really anywhere. And that was one of the things that kind of caught my attention is that it doesn't have to be something where you close your eyes. Um, and so that was helpful for me, but the way that it works is you start by taking three deep breaths just to ground yourself and you can, you know, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever you can do this while you're driving really is what she said. Um, but you take three deep breaths just to start. And then you look for, and you name out loud if possible, five things you can see. So we're going to like, it's kind of going back to what you said about the senses. You find those five things you can see, and then you move on to four things that you can touch. And if you can, you physically touch those four things, whether it's, you know, like my eye patch, my glasses, my hair, my necklace, like anything close by, but it could also be like something near your vicinity. And then um, three things I can hear. And then two things that I smell. For me, that was like, well, I mean, I smell my deodorant. <laughs> What else am I going to smell? I smell the deodorant and the smell of, I don't know, the laundry detergent on the sheets. Um, and then one thing that I can either taste or that I remember tasting. And then you close it off with three deep breaths. And the effect of doing that, at least for me, was just to, again, switch off that lizard brain and turn off that kind of heightened response and allow me to get into a better space and to be more present with what was happening and to just feel more calm and at peace. Uh, and that was really what I needed in that moment. So um, I appreciated what you had to say about just using the five senses because that was something that I was like, oh, this makes sense. So I want to jump in. Um, the, the whole purpose behind what she said is because the back of the brain, not the amygdala, but the occipital lobes, which are just above where that amygdala is, it's the only part of the brain that is not connected to the amygdala. So what you're doing is counting and organizing and bringing on automatically the frontal lobes. Mm, yeah. So it's a That's... wonderful tool that she gave. Yeah, it was awesome. And I, um, I like had wanted to write it down and I just texted her while you were talking. Cause I was like, okay, I think I remember it, but I, I thought I wrote it down after our session and apparently I didn't, or I can't find where I wrote it down. So can you just spell check me. Did I do this right? Um, but Perfect. hopefully that's, that's helpful for somebody is just to do, to do a tool, to use that as a tool. Um, I'm looking through in the chat to see if we see anybody who's come through with any questions or any, um, queries, but I guess for me, um, one of my questions for you, Anne would just be, I, th I think that one of the common things that I hear from people as they learn to meditate and the voice that I used to have come up, um, when I would practice mindfulness in any way was the, well, I'm just doing it wrong. Like if I'm, if I'm sitting here and I'm trying to meditate and I'm listening to say a meditation and I'm constantly thinking about what I'm doing for the day or what did I eat today or, you know, whatever it is that comes to, to mind, 
I think that so many people who strive for that kind of a practice then think that there's something wrong with them, that they're doing it incorrectly if they're still having those kinds of thoughts just kind of crop up. Um, and I know you've addressed this before, but can you just kind of speak to that again and just sure. help us understand like why that's okay and why it doesn't make it less helpful or less beneficial for you to still be practicing those mindfulness moments or doing meditation? Awesome question. Okay, so I'm going to actually combine a little bit of what I know about therapy into the meditation. And so whoever is out there that is very, very more skilled than I am about meditation would maybe take umbrage. But all of us have a part of ourselves, our personality, that's that younger emotional part. And I've got to turn the phone the Sorry. The younger emotional part is just trying to help us out. It just doesn't recognize that the adult has it. And the adult is the part that is capable of sitting there, trying something new, is anxious about whether or not we're doing it right. And that's just part of the process. That's that whole fidgety thing. Like one of the examples I was going to put in, and I didn't, is the little pee pad. And one of my buddies was like, well, what, what, what's the deal about the pee pad? And I said, well, you know, every time you bring the puppy back, you're trying to train them how not to pee anywhere else. That's it. That's what we're doing. And so every time a thought comes in of judgment or fantasy or whatever it is, that's just part of the process. The brain emits thoughts. The liver emits hormones right? So that's, it's just doing, so we're just responsible for not catching the train of thought and coming back to just our breath. So the train going across, I can't hear you. Oops, I was muted. Um, but just, I like that visual of like, okay, it's just a passing train. And just because I see it doesn't mean I have to get on it. Um, and I think, even, even if you do start to like put a foot on the train for a minute and you yeah. start to, to board the train to then realize, okay, I don't have to be here. I can just go back to breathing. And I think, um, one of the things that helps me during meditation when I'm, when I'm feeling like my thoughts are kind of spiraling a lot and I'm having a harder time zeroing in on just the physical breathing is to pair the meditation and the breathing with some kind of a physical touching. Um, so like I've done like EMDR tapping or like cross body tapping, um, tapping on my leg and just, just something that is kind of just bringing like some, some bilateral stimulation to my brain to help me, um, get out of the kind of constant thought spinning. And I think that that bilateral stimulation, either physically or listening to something sometimes even is helpful. That is like a bilateral meditation, like where it has like a different sound in each ear. And it's, it's actually really, I like how it feels. Some people don't like it. Um, but I like how it feels to have that bilateral stimulation to help me just focus on breathing. So you remember the, the bicep curl thing, every time that we get off that train, we're strengthening our ability to be mindfully present. So it's not that we get on the train that is the problem. It's about getting off the train and coming back. And so the information that I gather for myself when I'm sitting in the morning is if I've got a lot of chatter, I use that as information for, okay, today I just need to be aware 
of what's going on and, and I need to be more aware of being less impulsive. It's just information for us. It's like, a, you know, they use the sky as a meditation with the clouds. Well, the sky is the backdrop. The clouds going across are the thoughts or the mood that are being affected by those five senses. So there you go. Oh, that's such a good point. Such a good point. Well, I didn't see any questions come through. So hopefully as we have people front those, um, if they listen to the recordings or things, anybody who has, you know, thoughts, um, suggestions, ideas of, of mindfulness practices, things that help you, please share those. Feel free to share them in the comments or um, just share them with us. And we're happy to share those with others. But thank you again, Anne. Do you have anything you'd like to say in closing as we close out? Thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. I, I don't get feedback as to whether it's wanted or not. And it helps me become a better person myself. And I feel like I'm contributing. So thank you so very, very much. No, we, we are so grateful for you and for the many, um, many ways and, and avenues of resources that you've been of service to patients for so long. And it's been, I mean, you're such a gift to the community. So thank you so much. Blessings. Have a good morning. I guess morning, afternoon, the rest of the day. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, friends, as we close out, just going to move over here. Let's just uh, say another special thank you to our sponsors. So thank you again to Castle Biosciences, our presenting sponsor and Immunocore, Trisalis, uh, Life Sciences, Aura Biosciences, and Delcath Systems, Foghorn Therapeutics, and Replimune. We really um, would love to have you guys connect with them. We're hoping to help you get to know them better throughout this year through the podcast and through different um, avenues of um, connecting in different events and things. So as we have events and we have uh, people from these organizations online, please um, get to know them, ask them questions, ask them about their trials for uveal melanoma that they have or are working on. It's very, very valuable for us as patients to weigh in and give input and give feedback to these companies. They really value it. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.